0: and found to stimulate around and greatest wellness trends
1: treatments, and experience Magnesium is naturally found in foods like This is the well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency
2: Okay, it's time to commit.
3: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to
1: experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Over the past, I don't know, decade, the term inflammation has swept the nation. Inflammation nation. It's become the chief culprit, scapegoat for a myriad of trials that plague us from poor sleep to stiff joints to allergies. It's been hailed as a key factor to preventing illness and to sustaining longevity. If you scan the grocery aisles, eating for anti-inflammation looks pretty essential. Everything from granola bars to juices to soups can be anti-inflammatory. And that's thanks to a potent lineup of anti-inflammatory superfoods, But does inflammation actually impact our well-being to such a degree? Can a spoonful of superfoods a day actually keep inflammation away? Does it even need to? Or is this all just marketing? Has the inflammatory language of inflammation gone too far? I'm Ella Dove, Director of Creative Development and your host on this episode. Today, we've lined up some of the people we trust the most in the wide world of wellness to help identify where the buzz around inflammation can help, and where it's just gone
2: too far. I mean, it sounds scary, right? Like to say that your body is like inflamed, right? The word just sounds scary. My name is Shauna Spence. I am a registered dietitian located in New York. And I like to label myself as an eat everything dietitian, meaning that I take the anti-diet approach. I'm not a fan of fad diets or the language behind them. So that's sort of what I'm about. And I think that, you know, when we talk about diet culture, a lot of it is just words and they sound super scary if you don't really know the logistics of it, or if you have someone like I like to call them health gurus right out there that speak in a certain way that it's like, oh my gosh, I should be listening to this person. I should be avoiding this food. And um, I I think that if people really understood what inflammation really meant, that it was actually your body's responding, that it's kind of a way of protection. I think things would, uh, things would be a little different. All right, now feels like a good
1: time to define exactly what inflammation is. And to do that, there's really two main buckets to think about. In the first bucket, we have acute and short-term inflammation. That's when your body is doing its natural healing process, like say after you've gotten a bruise or had a bad fall. And then in the second bucket, there's chronic inflammation, which is when the inflammation lingers for too long And this is where a lot of the murky, fear-mongering, and diet culture of anti-inflammatory foods really starts to seep in. And according to a study done by the Harvard Medical School, chronic inflammation is trickier to deal with because it's often invisible and not showing the physical signs that acute inflammation does. You can take a look at that entire study in our show notes.
3: Inflammation is key to everything. It plays a role in every part of health and disease. I'm Carol Watson. I'm a cardiologist at UCLA. I run the Women's Cardiovascular Center and the Preventive Cardiology Program. So we forget, inflammation is not just some bad thing. That's the main defense that our body has against invading microorganisms or infections or anything that shouldn't be there. Inflammation is how we stamp out those things. So it's a good thing. People think of it as just this one big boogeyman that's always bad, and it's not. And you want the right balance of appropriate inflammation and appropriate anti-inflammation.
1: Like many a buzzword in the health and wellness industry, inflammation is one that is widely used and widely misunderstood. While wellness as we've come to know it can be just the pursuit of well-being, finding the tools and habits that work for us, there's also this rapidly growing multi-trillion dollar industry built on the basis of capitalizing off of our desire to be well, by selling us overgeneralized versions of what health looks like. Where the pursuit of wellness becomes too connected with the capital W Wellness Industry is exactly where words like inflammation get so over-inflamed. We
0: need inflammation. Inflammation is life-saving. My name is Tiffany Rowe. I'm a clinical mental health counselor. I live in Utah. And I own a group practice where we do counseling and work a lot with women who want to heal mind, body, and food. So yes, on a very real level, our bodies respond to illness or problems with inflammation. It saves our lives. And so sometimes high levels of inflammation or your body's response to trauma is really normal and it's healing and it's important and it's how we recover from injury. But what we do is we've taken this word and made it this like bad thing. You're going to hear words like puffy and bloated and water weight. Really what people are talking about when they say inflammation in the wellness sense is fat. And we're just we're just veiling this obsession with thinness and weight loss and using inflammation under the guise of health to kind of make this more satiable.
1: So every expert I spoke with talks about inflammation as a tool that our body can use to protect itself. And in moderation, that's all good. But what if the inflammation we're experiencing was not caused by infection or injury? What if it's the food we're eating or the way we're moving? Is there any value in trying to limit chronic inflammation through our health and well-being habits? Anti-inflammatory. Obviously, this is just the... Opposite of inflammation, but what does it mean if something is anti-inflammatory?
3: It means that it's a food that does not trigger chronic inflammation. And in the best sense, it may help moderate or lessen chronic inflammation. Think about when nature gave us sweet things, it either gave it to us in tiny amounts like, you know, nectar you get from a tree or highly complex with fiber like an apple we were never meant to sort of be able just to chug a big soda full of pure sugar. That is something that our body was not designed to handle. And that can lead to chronic inflammation. Now, there are certain activities like running a marathon, you're going to be highly inflamed after that. But chronic jogging is going to lead to anti-inflammatory conditions. So chronic Moderate exercise is so helpful and beneficial. Your body's total inflammatory milieu will down-regulate. This is the motto in our preventive cardiology program. Move frequently, eat thoughtfully, connect deeply. Because those are things that help everything. So keep moving. Eating things that you know are going to be helpful, or at least not harmful. And then connection. We know that stress and anxiety is highly pro-inflammatory. So I call them the sad risk factors. So stress, anxiety, and depression. The stress hormones that are circulating throughout our bodies, sometimes we can feel totally fine or think we're doing well, and our body is still spewing out these stress hormones. We did a study at UCLA looking at 24-hour urine collections because that's where all your stress hormones end up ultimately. We did it with men and women, and we found that on an average day, women were running around with a lot more stress hormones in their urine than men. That means they were secreting more. So and these women actually often felt stressed, but sometimes they didn't. So whether you know it or not, your body's going to react. And then the inflammation, these stress hormones or cytokines, as they're called, do a lot of things. They cause your blood vessels to constrict. So, you don't always deliver the right amount of blood to the organs that you need. They cause your blood pressure to elevate. They cause, again, things like eczema, the outward signs that you see of inflammation. But those same things that you might see on the skin sometimes are going on in your internal organs that you just can't see. But again, stress hormones chronically are. Almost never a good thing. Really, stress should be episodic, highly targeted, and highly regulated.
1: As with most things, as it relates to our health, there are multiple factors to consider. And there is definitely a bigger picture when it comes to inflammation. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
3: As Shauna
1: reminds us, it's a little bit more complex than just food and movement. And that's because we've changed the way we eat our food
2: from how nature originally intended it. So when we think about health, I like to say, look at it like a pie chart. And most of the time we think food is, it's like divided in half. We think food and exercise are just the two things for health, right? But the thing is that the pie chart is divided into so many sections, right? There's sleep, there's stress, there's trauma, there's access to things like food, healthcare. It's a very large pie chart. And, you know, stress plays a very large role. And it really does affect the way we digest food, right? It can affect our sleeping patterns, which is why sometimes sleep is really bad. And that will also affect the way we eat. It also can affect our hormones, Right. Everything. I feel like our gut microbiome is so important and um, there's so many different factors. But whenever something is off or whenever, you know, you have one of those weeks, you can feel it. You know, sometimes you eat more. People get worried about stress eating or sometimes you eat less. Sometimes you do notice that, you know what, my stomach isn't feeling that great stress. Like, that's why I always say, do you notice anything else going on? Like not even thinking about food. Do you notice anything happening in your life that's causing anxiety, right? Cause you can feel it. Like when people get nervous about something, you know, how like you feel it in your stomach, that's the thing, you know? So I, I really want to emphasize it's not just food in one section and exercise in the other. There's so many different se- sections for health and stress is a big, big portion of that.
0: We're just really missing the mark when we're dealing with genetic influences and stress influences and really complex issues. When we just bring it down to this, like this food is the problem. We're actually creating more problems because now you're stressed about food. You're restricting, you're not participating in as many social events because most social events have dairy and gluten and sugar. Like we demonize these foods under this guise of wellness and health and protecting you when really it's just perpetuating harm. By trying to prevent inflammation, we're creating inflammatory mental health issues.
1: Inflammation is just one of many words that has gotten a rebrand in recent years.
0: So inflammation's a buzzword, it's a marketing word that leads people to distrust themselves and distrust food. It scares people. It makes people think, whoa, what can I do to change that? And what are we gonna, what's the first line of defense in wellness culture against inflammation? It's a restrictive diet. They're not saying meditate to reduce your stress, practice deep breathing. Hey, let me teach you how to heal your nervous system. Hey, let's have good social support and adequate access to food, which would all support reduction of like real problems. It's just saying cut out dairy and gluten Because that's going to save you.
1: So I asked our experts, what other words are being used against us in the name of wellness?
0: Superfoods is out there. Anti-inflammatory. Whole foods, real foods, raw foods, clean. freaking hate the whole clean eating movement. Like, what's that even mean? Uh, Like... What's dirty food? What's clean food? I mean, I know what it means according to wellness culture, non GMO, like all of these things again, aren't inherently problematic. And there's nothing wrong if you're like, Hey, I want to eat more foods from my garden. Like I'm not hating on that, but we do need to watch out for this extreme moralizing and demonizing stuff like wheat belly. Um, just all these types of movements, uh, that make certain foods better than others or the assumption of like plant-based is the right way, or like keto is the right way. Like any, anything that's demonizing certain foods and elevating others, be skeptical of and question. And look, if this works for you and you feel great doing that and you don't have disordered eating, like cool. My whole message is you can trust yourself and be your own authority and reconnect to your body's inner wisdom, but you don't need to outsource it to like these marketing schemes.
2: The problem right now is not only is it becoming a buzzword, but there's a lot of gurus out there who claim that different foods will cause inflammation. And I just want to point out that, yes, those certain foods might cause inflammation for some people, but as a whole, no, because of course, we're looking at the science behind it. We're looking at actual studies, right? And what one person's body does is not based, that's not science, right? That's not gonna, that doesn't determine it being a fact. I always tell people, you really have to pay attention to what your body is doing and what your body is responding or how it's responding, because you can't base it on someone else. Just because someone else is getting bloated doesn't mean that your body is going to do that, right? Everyone's body processes things differently.
3: Nature gets it right most of the time. Um, But when we try to impose our own high-powered anti-inflammatories. It doesn't always work. So I think, again, eating thoughtfully is the key.
0: You deserve to have peace with food. You know, there's no one thing has that much power. So whether it's just inflammation, like we have to zoom out. If we're giving that much attention to one small, tiny micro-facet of health, we're missing the mark. What we eat is such a small percentage of health influence, we have to zoom out and think more holistically if that's what you value.
1: On today's show, you heard from Tiffany Rowe, Shauna Spence, and Carol Watson. This episode was produced by Taylor Camille, Kate Spies, and myself, Ella Dove, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.